Welcome back to Thinking About It. I'm uh, Bob McGregor. I'm Stan Fowler. And we are thinking about another thing this this occasion and this broadcast. A lot of us are excited about the um, multiplication of church planting these days. I mean, I remember years ago when churches weren't being planted, at least not by our movement. But by the grace of God, it's happening now. Churches are closing, but churches are also being replanted. And there's just a sense of renewal that comes with that. But lately, uh, there has been a lot of talk about ethnic church plants, Stan. Yes. And we know that the the church is um, a manifestation of the wisdom of God in the ability to bring together multi-ethnic people uh, for unity, mutual edification. But when we think about church planting for pragmatic reasons, you're hearing more and more of uh, churches saying, let's plant single ethnic churches, of a, an Arabic church or Romanian church. And um, is that, is, is there a problem with that? Is that the best way? Should you plant right from the very beginning a church with a DNA of multiculturalism? Or how do we justify uh, planting a church that basically says, if you don't speak a particular language, there's somewhere else for you? Well, it is a big question, isn't it? And, I mean, here we are in our context right now. We're looking at the, uh, the idea of, of an Arabic church plant because of the growing number of Arabic-speaking persons uh, who've migrated to Canada and to our region specifically. But, but it does raise legitimate questions about how does this fit the biblical picture of, of the church as people of God, from every tribe and language group, people, national entity, ethnic origin, and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is, it is a huge question. But at the same time, we need to recognize, don't we, that we can express the unity of the people of God across congregational lines. We, 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 there are ways to formally, tangibly, visibly connect to the, to the extended church beyond one particular congregation. So you could have Arabic churches and Chinese churches and Romanian churches and Anglophone churches and so on that share in mission wherever possible, affirm one another, and yet they recognize uh, distinctions. You, you and I are both old enough to remember talk about the homogeneous unit principle, right? Mm-hmm. That, in in the whole church growth movement, there there was this focus on the fact that people like to become believers among their kind of people, mm-hmm. and so there was this sense that it's appropriate to target churches to particular kinds of people, and and we probably both understand experientially that yeah, it's kind of nice and smooth to to be involved with our tribe our our kind and yet mm-hmm. and yet that seems to run afoul of the biblical concern for for uniting people in Christ so where do we go from there well one possibility well one thing to remember is when we're talking about creating a particular kind of church 
there's, there's no division quite like language. I mean, we can carry on dialogue, good, respectful, loving dialogue with people of different ethnicities, different cultural groups. But if we can't speak the same yeah, but language, a lot of people we have who a problem. Come, a lot of people who come here, they want to learn the language, and they just want you to be patient with them. And if we're not patient, then they're forced to just gather in their own group. Uh, but should we, should we uh, encourage that? Well, maybe that to reach them effectively, we've, we've simply got to provide uh, the, the preaching of the word and the experience of corporate worship in their language, at least for a time. But, but of course, the, the challenge then is, let's, let's take the idea of an Arabic church plant here. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, as, as an immediate need, that, that seems clear enough. But, as you say, I mean, immigrants here, they have to learn English. And they want at, to. At some level, and they want to. So, so what about the next generation? Yeah. Now, is it, what do you think? Is, it, is there a difference, a, a functional, meaningful difference, between planting a church that is called, let's say, Arabic Baptist Church, versus planting a church that is called say, Redeemer Baptist Church, which initially functions in an Arabic language, but, but the name doesn't say Arabic, and the, and the concept of it is we're starting this way, but we recognize come next generation, we'd like to expand beyond that. Yeah, I think that's... So, that's a better way to go, because as soon as you say this is an Arabic-speaking church right from the beginning in your name, I think you're just, that's not the genius of the New Testament, and it's practical. I, I, like, I love it here on a Sunday morning when uh, we'll have the various ethnicities gathered and we'll have them on the platform. I just think we need to see that and to hear that constantly. If you, if you separate people and say so you do your thing in your corner— and we never see you. I just think we're we're missing a whole lot. I've my own spiritual journey uh, has been enriched just by people from different cultures speaking into me and how they worship and uh, their worldview. And the church is richer for that. Now, I, like I know a church in Toronto that uh, started a, a Chinese church, a Chinese pastor, Chinese planter came to them from communist China and said, we want to start a church. And this is happening a lot in the GTA. And so the, this church, this white church, said, okay, we'll give you the gymnasium. Well, he starts gathering people in the gymnasium, and they develop something where uh, at 9 o'clock, they're both in the building at the same time doing learning. One's in the gym, one's in the auditorium. And then later on, they flip. So they're, they're in the building at the same time. There's, they're, they're knowing each other. Some of the kids, I think the kids were in the same Sunday school. So they're mixing it together. But for practical reasons, the preaching is done in a different language. And um, this church made it work. They had joint baptisms, but they were two distinct churches in that building. Well, that's a concept that probably needs to be explored more. I mean, I've, I've often thought that because often one, one of the challenges of church planting is or we'll have to purchase a facility, purchase ground to build a facility. Mm-hmm. We'll have to maybe pay 
quite a bit of rent mm-hmm. for another facility, when in fact uh, two distinct churches could very well use the same building. I mean, they just either meet, well, meet at different times, or in, in your example, in Toronto, they're sort of meeting at the same time, but in different parts mm-hmm. of, of a larger facility. And and that, of course, as you say, it can provide that um, that mingling among the people as they cross paths in that building, and and a, and a kind of a, a visible manifestation of the unity across those ethnic lines, linguistic lines, and also a way of providing for those children mm-hmm. in that perhaps minority language. Group. That's the concern because they'll go somewhere else. You know how it is. We got people who yeah. they'll come here, or their kids will go somewhere else, or the kids are here because mom and dad are in a Romanian church or something, and it just splits the family. Yeah, indeed it does. Now I, I wonder. Um, I'm, I've been thinking about this because last week in the course I'm teaching this term, the the material we read talked among other things about the idea of multi-site church. How how would you feel about planting and let's say an Arabic church as a and, and with with the, even the longer term view that it would be a site of our church rather than a distinct church? Would you be open to that kind of multi site idea? Yeah, I'm open to it. I've, that's been part of my experience, and I think my my position there is. That as long as it works, right? Uh, I think, ideally, if if I'm starting a church, I want to be in a multi-site relationship because I want the benefit of a mother church, some of the administration that they provide from the office, the facility. I'd milk that as long as I could. But there are others who would say, no, we want to be totally independent. We want our own building and so on. And And I wouldn't stop that. I wouldn't say, no, you're a site of Grandview, you're locked in, yeah. you don't have that option. I would say, you know, as long as you can ride it, ride it. It's an interesting debate. You know, there are, there are, there are some who would argue, look, ecclesia, the Greek term for church, means assembly. So if you're, if you're, you know, it's only meaningful to call it one church if, in fact, all the people meet together. Now, Mark Dever and the people connected mm-hmm. with him and Nine Marks, for example, go down that road, and mm-hmm. they, they argue, no, if if you don't all meet together, mm-hmm. you can't call it one church. Mm-hmm. I I would argue the term ecclesia is used in the New Testament with a little more diversity mm-hmm. than that. I mean, sometimes it denotes the whole community of believers worldwide. Mm-hmm. So the, the term is a little more elastic, I think, than they make it out to be. And so I think this one of those cases where, frankly, the pragmatic questions are legitimate questions. And, and, and maybe it's fair to say a certain kind of pragmatic approach is a theological principle. It's a little like in Acts 6, when the apostles recognized they couldn't care for all the widows, they said to the church, look, find seven men full of the spirit and wisdom. We'll appoint them to this task. It's not like they said hey, we're a church, so we not only need elders, we also need deacons. So we've got to fill that deacon category. That may have been the origin of the office of deacon, but, but it came about because they said, 
we have a ministry to get done. It was good sense. It was good sense. The pragmatics made sense. Now, obviously, some pragmatic arguments violate biblical principles. But in a case like that, I think what we may see is mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a kind of pragmatics that, that is a biblical theological mm-hmm. principle. You ask, how, how do we effectively minister in this time and place? And that may be in a kind of multi-site one church with different linguistic congregations above it, or it may be um, launching that other church, which is ethnic in its origin, but hopefully oriented to mm-hmm. move beyond that at at some point. At some point, they that Arabic church will hopefully become a church with perhaps an English service and an Arabic service, and then who knows down the road. Yeah, I think from the very beginning, that needs to be understood, that this has a shelf life. And yes. uh, there will come a generation when it just won't matter. What do you do with this group? Well, you say, well, you're a church plant now. Uh, like there are churches in our city here that were German, right? Yes. Yeah, they're not so much now. They had to deal with that, a um, little bit of that legacy, but they're English-speaking churches now. And we we need to encourage that as much as possible right from the very beginning. But I imagine like West Park, one of our churches in our fellowship has three or is it four um, sites on campus and they've got an Arab pastor, a, a Spanish pastor. It's part of the pastoral team, but they're leading groups or churches within the church. And I think um, that has attracted a lot of uh, new Canadians who speak those languages. So evangelistically, it's a great strategy. I just think you need an exit strategy to transition those churches into viable um, independent churches, or at least a pathway towards that if they want it. Yes, and it, uh, but the point at which that happens, you can't, you, know, you can't decide that in advance necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, those things change over time. Even... Um, the immigration pattern. I mean, who knows, 10 years down the road, what the immigration pattern will look like in our region. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Will, we, will we, for whatever reason, have an influx of Chinese-speaking mm-hmm. people? Uh, will there be an influx of some other linguistic group? Uh, we just don't know. So if an Arabic church, for example, is launched now, and then 10 years down the road, we have another huge influx of Arabic-speaking immigrants, well, that may prolong the time when that has to be a distinctly Arabic church, mm-hmm. but that, that may not last in perpetuity. It's quite exciting, frankly, yeah. to think about the possibility of, of taking the gospel to the nations because the nations are here. Yeah, and I think that's what Paul did. He said what works the best. You know, he's in uh, Philippi. He says, okay, I'll go to the water. I'm likely to find some of my people here. Uh, And so I think if we've got an opportunity of newcomers that are coming, they're looking for a community and fellowship. Some of them know the Lord. Some of them are interested. You you just, you don't want to let that opportunity pass by. And uh, I, I just think that we have an opportunity here at Grandview and other churches too for the sake of the gospel, to gather these people in, in a church or in a site or whatever uh, and allow it to progress to the point where it's a viable church. So it's an opportunity that is here. We're excited about it, and we'll think more about this, but we're out of time. 
So I want to thank you for uh, tuning in. If you have any insight for this this subject of multicultural ethnic church plants, let us know. We'd be glad to include it. Thanks for listening. Thank you.